0: Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And our topic as we launch into the new year is the goals most leaders overlook. The goals most leaders overlook. I'm going to call today a part one and finish it up next week with a part two. So the question is, as you approach 2019, What might be uh, another way of thinking about your goals or or your priorities uh, for the year? What might be another way to measure success for the year uh, about whether you succeeded or not? Now, defining success as as a leader, as a Christian leader especially, is one of our most challenging, vexing, and I would say difficult tasks. If we get it right, fruitfulness and contentment, joy follow. If we get it wrong feelings of misery and failure and even sometimes envy follow so listen I'm a type a person like I'm sure many of you are if you're in leadership I have a lot of energy filled with vision uh, my greatest challenge and sin over the years has always been the issue of limits that's where my rebellion with God is tied to and i I do more or beyond what God asks but for years I focused on uh, pure numbers as a measurement of my success or not. And whether it was expand the numbers of small groups or people connected or serving in the church or maybe planting another church or another campus, Uh, yours may be something like increased giving 15 or 20 percent or baptized 30 new people or add 25 uh, more young people to the youth group or junior high group or uh, get attendance up or buy a new building or raise a certain amount of money or launch a a uh, second mission trip this year. If you're in a parachurch ministry, it it may be uh, open up a new campus or uh, take fifty new leaders through a certain leadership process or raise up an internship. And maybe you're a marketplace leader, and you're you you simply have numerical measurements for your success or not. It's it's pure money. Uh, now I'm committed to mission, and because uh, God is committed to mission. Uh, And I'll I'll talk a bit more about this next week. But for now, I'm going to ask you to stay with me uh, to really the number one goal that most leaders overlook. And actually, I'm going to spend the entire podcast on this one, unpacking it, because it's that important. And uh, I pray and trust it'll cause you to pause as you launch into the new year. Uh, This needs to come first. uh, And that's this. The goal of I will mature, you will mature and grow as a disciple of Jesus, that you'll grow and mature as a disciple of Jesus. In other words, you're going to invest in yourself because the greatest gift that you can give the people you lead is for you to be growing. Now, you may say, I don't have time, I've got so much to do. Uh, You don't have time not to do this, and your growth in Jesus and your maturing, uh, your greater self-definition and clarity of who you are, who Jesus is, how that Impacts the kind of leader you are, affects everything, and hopefully, by the God's grace, you'll then do it for your team members. Uh, it'll be part of your supervision and their job description, etc. Jesus made it very clear, didn't He? He's, you know, John 15. You know, unless you abide in Me, you'll bear no fruit. Nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna come out of you with that's gonna be sustainable and lasting, impactful. I mean, this whole story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10 was. You know, Mary has chosen the better part of sitting at the feet of Jesus. Uh, In fact, this great text in Matthew 13, verse 52, uh, Jesus says, Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. But he makes the point uh, that every teacher who has become a disciple. We're first disciples ourselves. where We're students. where We're in school with Jesus. We're, we're diligently following him. And the idea of disciples, I'm, I'm following I'm, I'm a student. I'm listening. I'm being formed. And out of that, I minister treasure to the world. And Jesus is the new wine. New wineskins are needed as he's flowing and by the Holy Spirit in the world. But our call is to be with Jesus, just like the original 12. Their first call was to be with Jesus, then to preach and, and have authority over evil spirits. But it's much like Paul's word to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, train yourself to be godly. Uh, our number one goal uh, that we often overlook to our detriment and our church's detriment is the failure to put first that I'm going to grow and mature as a disciple of Jesus. And that is no small task. The most difficult person to lead the church is unquestionably yourself. Uh, and uh, so in 1996, as I entered this whole journey that we call today emotionally healthy uh, discipleship, emotionally healthy leadership, my shift happened in 1996, and and I had to write it down in my job descriptions for years until it became so much a part of me it, it didn't need to be. But I had I wrote it down for years. Number one, uh, as lead pastor of the church, I'm going to grow as a disciple of Jesus, and that and that to me is a given in every job and every one of my job descriptions at this point. And I often write it down for people in their job descriptions that it's very clear. They know that is their number one task uh, that I'm going to do for Jesus out of my being with Jesus. Uh, And so I'm inviting people to be a disciple of Jesus as I follow Jesus. As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That is, I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to get clear on what he's saying. I'm going to live what I'm preaching. I'm going to have integrity in my inner life and my outer life. Uh, This really slowed me down in 1996. Uh, It caused me to shift resources of time, energy, and money. And it became a a, a new measurement of success, the first measurement of success. Uh, And again, limits uh, then become a real factor. And the listening to my body amidst the pressure, etc. And so am I saying leave leadership? No, not at all. Uh, You know, is it possible? I'm often asked to to lead a growing ministry, church, you know, nonprofit parachurch, and still have a flourishing life in God. And my answer to you, very simply, is absolutely. And Jesus modeled that for us. It doesn't have to be that your soul is destroyed if you're leading a flourishing, growing ministry. Now, it's often been said that we are the most distracted generation in human history. We've all got so much to do, and we say, okay, well, it'll, be, it'll be easier later after we get to a certain size or reach a certain point. And, uh, and as you probably know by now, you can spend a lifetime, and that later never quite comes. But if we're going to live and lead in a way that's flourishing, uh, the only one we can look at is Jesus. How did he live and lead amidst so much pressure? And Luke 5, verses 15 and 16, gives a, a real insight as Luke puts side by side uh Jesus' life, two dynamics of him uh engaging with the world. And it says in verse 15 that, that 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 as news about him spread all the more, crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. So just imagine: here's Jesus. I mean, he was busy. He had a lot to do. Uh, He has the most important work in human history to do, in the history of the universe. Sick are coming, demon-possessed are coming, dying are coming. People are absolutely desperate, drastically trying to get a piece of him. Uh, And so Luke describes that in verse 15. Then it says in verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And that but is very key there, and it shows Jesus engaging then withdrawing, engaging and withdrawing. That that was his rhythm, uh, and thus we were made for communion and relationship with Him. But we need also like Jesus this rhythm of, of engaging and then withdrawing. The problem is, somewhat often we're engaging, 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 engaging. We do a little bit of withdrawal, and uh, we find we haven't had enough anchoring in our relationship with Father, to, for the, with the Father, to sustain our doing missed all the pressure. So let me just begin by saying there's some basic rhythms that we all need, and then I'll get more nuanced after that. But let me just talk about the basic rhythms that I believe are core if we're going to accomplish that first uh, overlooked goal, which is I'm going to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, and that is a rhythm of withdrawing and engaging, withdrawing and engaging. So engaging is not the problem for most of us, it's withdrawing. And so uh, now, depending on your calling, depending on your position, your role, uh, it, we each need mornings uh, with God uh, when we when when we arise with Him. And again, how long that should be? Again, it's dependent on what what you're carrying. The more you're carrying for Jesus, the more investment of time you need in silence and stillness and solitude and scripture to be with Jesus uh in a relaxed way. I know for me uh it's interesting as I'm I'm not even lead pastor anymore. I'm not carrying the pressure that I was carrying for 26 years. Nonetheless, uh I feel the weight of my role even with things like this podcast. And so am finding I have a greater need to withdraw for larger, longer periods of time than previously. And my mornings have become longer with God, not, not less. And then I, as a basic rhythm, I'm a firm believer in uh, the daily office. And that is not just pausing once a day, but multiple times a day, two or three or four times a day. Uh, and something you build up to. And again, it comes out of the riches of the Desert Fathers uh Out of you know David Daniel the riches of monasticism, but this idea of pausing for short times—it can be very brief. It might just be praying Psalm one sixteen or Psalm one twenty three or Psalm one twenty one or Psalm eighty four in the afternoons. But just a pause to to withdraw, uh to, to again for communion with the Father, being with Him. Uh, And and then thirdly, you know, an evening office and definitely Compline or Compline before you go to bed, just something brief. And I want to recommend to you the uh, Emotionally Healthy Day-by-Day Daily Office books to kind of get you started. It's core to the EH Discipleship courses, but it's a way to just get you started. So that that rhythm of of a daily office, I want to encourage you to to go back to it and and give it a shot morning, maybe add a second office uh, of being with God and then perhaps a third. But that's a Basic rhythm, I believe, of withdrawing to survive in leadership. Then you got that—that's a daily rhythm. Then we got a weekly rhythm of Sabbath, for a twenty-four hour period. We stop, rest, delight, you know, contemplate, you know, God. We're, and we've got longer sabbaticals, which we plan out for the year. Which I simply call vacations. That you see vacations as Sabbaths, but longer Sabbaths uh, to rest the soil of your soul. And that's a basic rhythm. Uh, of withdrawing that we all need. But the, the princi- and the principle I have to remember is this, that what worked for you last year may not work for you this year. Uh, and that what you're carrying in one season of life is, uh, is different than what you're carrying perhaps now. And so what sustained you earlier will not sustain you now. You're changing, the ministry's changing, but the more weight and responsibility, the more time is needed for this number one goal that we often overlook, which is, my own growth as a disciple of Jesus. I I remember reading Henry Kissinger's uh, autobiography, and he writes about, he was a professor, brilliant guy, but when he became Secretary of State, he just didn't have time to even think anymore uh, because he was just so busy. He had so much coming at him. And I just remember saying, my goodness, that is one thing as a Christ follower, as a leader under Jesus, I cannot fall into it. It's a tremendous danger, is that, the, the weight of responsibility, we may have so many commitments, we, quote, don't have time to withdraw, and that's a disaster. Because, again, we do for Jesus out of our being with Jesus, and we need time for reflection, uh, for journaling. And, um, you know, I used to have, for example, one we have a, a pastoral staff rule of life at New Life. One day a month, we'd be alone with God. And I found over the last few years, uh, it's just insufficient for me, but I needed more time. You know, not less, uh, again, in light of my newer responsibilities and aging. So that, that's that's our basic rhythms uh, of being a disciple. But I want to talk to you now about a little more specific and nuanced approach to it. The question you want to ask this year as you go into it is, where where is Jesus inviting me to grow this year? In what area of my life? And I ask this every year. Uh, as I move into a new year now going into 2019 and then I carve out time for that first and and uh, in other words so you begin by even just listening you know what's the Holy Spirit doing inside of you uh what passions longings desires so so, so there's emphases that need to come out of that and you want to pay attention to how the spirit of God is moving you to grow as a christ follower so here's some uh, i'm gonna give you a list of some and i just started thinking through the seasons i've been in and, and uh, oh, for a year or even two years at a time, uh, and how they became then a, thus a part of me. So, for example, there was a season of of a deep integration of silence and solitude. That was something I did not have in my early first 17 to 20 years of a Christian life. A little bit, I preached it, but I didn't live it. Uh, and it, then I began to, you know, Sense a tr- feel a tremendous pull from God in that direction. And for about 14, 15-year period, every year I went for a a four- to five- to six-day monastic retreat with the Trappists uh, to, to kind of live their life, enter their rhythms, learn from them. Uh, I in, in Growing in Silence and Solitude, I learned quite a bit from the Quakers and uh, Parker Palmer's work and some of his retreats, uh, uh, Courage to Renewal. Uh, and again, of course, a, a great deal of of reading uh, and seminars and from folks who were you know who had a life in this and you know I wanted to learn about discretion that ability to wait and see what unfolds and I wanted to grow my ability to trust and wait on the Lord uh, and began to see how so many of my ideas were were quite foolish uh, and I got a little bit better at letting go of judgments and anger and greed and etc and, and then there was another season where uh, just an invitation from God to study Psalms. Uh, again, for for I prayed them for years, and I still do for midday prayer quite often. There was another season of just Sabbaths. You know, learning about Sabbath. I mean, Sabbath is is a vast topic. I mean, it's so rich. I mean, I mean, ancient Judaism has three thousand five hundred years of learning on Sabbath. There's just so much there, and it was a season I just dove in deep, and it took me well beyond a simple. Seven day Sabbath uh, once every seven days into more of a, a life rhythm even greater than that uh then there was a season of of studying uh relationships and it seemed like I'd somehow over my you know first almost two decades of being a christ follower the focus was on loving God loving God but very little on loving people and I remember uh digging into both scripture and practically uh for years how do you learn to love people as a Christ follower? How do I change the way I relate to people? And then even just doing a a significant study in scripture about relationships as as core to discipleship uh, was a gigantic area. Limits was a huge season for me. Emphasis at one point, just the theology of limits and meditating on those scriptures, applying it, journaling it, uh, getting in touch reflected on my own heart. Um, church history was another season. You know, just studying church history, which I still is a great love for me. Everything from the you know first thousand fifty four years prior to the first split in the church to the Orthodox Church, the Reformation, to the uh, you know, history of the um, Nicene Creed, the splits over history. It was just um, it was just a huge season for me of listening to God through you know church history. And of course, it was you know the seasons. I'm still in one. I've I've been years in in the in the, studying the Gospel of Matthew and John and the Gospels and Jesus' leadership uh, as a model. It's been I I feel like my I feel like I can't even graduate from it. I mean, I'm I'm in it and I, I feel compelled to stay in it. I'm in other things as well, but it's a big thrusting. I mean, I was in the car today just meditating as I, I was on an hour drive just meditating on the scripture I've been memorizing um, from Matthew chapter 12. And of course, it was a season for me, another season of monasticism in the Desert Fathers, uh, where I just dove in, you know, fully, not just visiting monasteries, reading, memorizing sayings of the Desert Fathers. And again, when I talk about an emphasis of Jesus inviting you into something to grow as a disciple, I'm not talking about just like reading a few books. I'm talking about actually doing it, where... You, you, you sense it, it's Jesus in front of you saying, follow me. And this is God for you, like now at this season. And uh, again, I was always, I've always been aware and continue to be aware that some way, somehow it's going to flow out of me uh, to others. I, I, I never or rarely can see it in the beginning. And it's not really my issue about how it's going to impact me blessing other people. It's about, I just know it's me, Jesus saying, come follow me, Pete, into this new area. So even right now, um. I, I've been. I've just finished reading four books on uh, the church fathers, patristics, uh, early African Christianity, and uh, I'm just. I've just been from Tertullian to Cyprian to Athanasius, Augustine, and uh, the cross racial, the ecumenical, the Catholic with a small C, the international character of Christianity. The first uh, seven centuries just fascinating to me. Uh, I think it's so important. Uh, I'm still pondering it and its implications for the global expansion of the church today as the African and church in China, for example, has so far exploded beyond the church of Europe and North America. It's just been one of the implications of that. How do we learn from the global church? Uh, African church history, early church history, the implications of that and the rich history in Africa for racial relations here in the United States. Anyway, continue to read. Looking forward to possibly even being mentored by someone who's a professor uh, in early African Christianity. Uh, so, anyways, I I sense a pull in that area. Where's it all going? I have no idea. Will you will you ever hear about it? I have no idea. Uh, and this coming year, I'm hoping to read through the Old Testament because um, Jerry just did it for a year and kept quoting things to me. And I'm, as part of what I'm doing, I may just add that to one of my offices and and do that. But so many of the emphases that I've had over the last, you know, especially 23 years uh, have now are so much a part of what we call emotionally healthy discipleship. And uh, I even think of something as simple as the core of the discipleship course is getting people to abide in Jesus with silence and solitude, especially. Uh, And so, in fact, let me encourage you, and maybe part of what God's doing in you right now is the walking out experientially of the integration of emotional health and discipleship and a slow down spirituality and discipleship. And so even maybe it's not the issue of you bringing it to anybody at this point, but maybe you've read the Emotionally Healthy leader book or the Emotionally Spirituality, but you've read a book and you're listening to this podcast, which is all fine and good. But let me encourage you to go to the next step and actually for yourself, actually do the material. Uh, so pick up the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course Leaders Kit uh, and then actually do it with a few people, just for yourself, maybe with one other person. Uh, that is over 500 plus churches doing it in North America. We do trainings for it. But maybe right now, that's not even the issue for you bringing it to anybody. It's just about you. Uh, if God's pulling on you to perhaps just do it for yourself uh, and let God do what he wants to do inside of you in your next step of discipleship. So that's one big area. Well, what area is Jesus inviting you to grow? The second, it has to do with it who are mentors maybe that God wants to bring into your life, who can I, who can you learn from in this season? Um, You know, I've often, people often say to me, I can't find a mentor. I I can't, who's going to mentor me? And I, it's so hard. And where are the fathers? Where are the mothers? You know, and just, you know, they said, I, we we said that when I was in my twenties as well, where are the fathers, you know? And I think part of the waiting and the hungering and thirsting is part of what God's doing in us. Uh, and uh, no, there isn't one person that can be your mentor, uh, discipler, and fill and, and fill all of Jesus. No, I, there are many, many mentors that God brings our way along the way in our lives. And uh, sadly, sometimes we look for mentors uh, who are the wrong mentors, and they're feeding unhealthy ambitions. And it's almost like you know, getting getting crack. Uh, because they're feeding the wrong parts of ourselves, you want to be careful of that. As one person just said to me, they came back from a leadership conference. I felt like I needed a bath when it was all over because it was all about a celebrity culture. But but we do, regardless, we need humility to learn from other people. Uh, it's a very key quality of leadership. So I, I, you know, always try to have you know ventures in my life and. Uh, I think, of, of, of different seasons. So, for example, when I did succession at New Life Fellowship, I had a few mentors, very important, to help me through that i been through before successfully and folks I respected and whether it was learning to be a supervisor or strategic planning. And uh, Again, I, 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 I found people in that area. But remember, it, it takes more courage to examine the dark corners of your soul than it does for a soldier to fight on a battlefield. That's from W.B. Yeats. Uh, it can be, a good mentor is probably going to be painful, uh, especially if they're honest with you and they're going to force you to reflect. I had one mentor for probably a couple of year period um really confronted me uh she actually she was a therapist uh and took me on some levels of my own genogram, my family of origin stuff, layers that I'd not been at before uh of where I was looking for validation uh, from others. It was a shadow part of me, and boy she forced me to ask some very difficult questions uh, and do a lot of journaling and self-reflection. And it probably lasted a you know, two, three year period. You know, Questions like how much of my avoidance of difficult issues is driven by my need to be liked? Or am I doing things that soothe my anxiety but actually betray my integrity? Or am I making room and time and space in my life to provide overall leadership and guard the values and vision of what God's given us to do here? And am I staying focused on the small steps and items that will get me to where I believe God wants me to go, or am I being distracted by easier things? And, and, and because of my struggle with limits, I had to ask myself the question, what are the next concrete concrete steps that I need to take in light of what I believe God's calling, us, calling me and calling us to do, and how long will each of those steps take, and then to get out my calendar and say... What do I need to say no to to actually accomplish this? That was so painful for me. I just read you a few questions from my journal. Uh, And and now I've got a, you know, a spiritual director, which is actually, you know, who's, who helps me listen to the movements of my heart. I'd say almost every time I go, uh, she is bringing up something that I prefer not to, you know, a direction I, I'm like, oh, and feel a gentle rebuke around. Always remember this, you know, you, you want to, it as much as possible, look for people who are older, not all the time, because while there are many people that fail to become wise as they age, it is true, but no one becomes wise unless they do age. uh you have to live through things to grow in wisdom, not to, we're not talking about, I'm not not talking about just getting information, I'm talking about wisdom, and that's what you're seeking in mentors and uh so you know. That's a second big area. Who might be some mentors that you need to pursue and put time and effort and energy into to, to get to? Now, of course, then if you're a workaholic or an addict, which is my family history, you may also need to add to your, you know, growing as a disciple of Jesus things like healthy friendships, hobbies, fun, delight, you know, health, etc. But it's a, but I want to just go right now into, into the third big area uh, as, as we close because there really there's three big ones. The three big ones your, your emphases. As a disciple, what's God leading me into? You know, what's that going to look like? Who are some mentors, perhaps that could that God may want to bring into my area to help me move along, or in a sense, move my, me along more easily? Because it's, it's a very biblical principle. And then thirdly, is the whole area of marriage and, and singleness. Uh, now, our first vocation is to be is to Jesus. Uh, we, but then we live out our spirituality either as married or singles, and. As marriage or singles, we're called to be signs and wonders and, uh, to the world uh, of Jesus in different ways as marriage or singles. And I don't want to go to the whole thing here on that, and, but when Paul gives the qualifications of a leader in First Timothy 3, he, he talks about managing your own household well, because the health of your own marriage or singleness is going to be uh, reflected in what you're building as a leader. And thus the uh, the intentionality for a healthy, mature marriage or singleness is foundational to being a disciple of Jesus. And so for me, it's, you know, what will that mean for me as a married to Jerry? What adjustments do I need to make? Uh, how do I make what's important to her, important to me? And it's things, of course, as simple as being thoughtful around vacations and taking an interest in the home. But uh, every year, you know, Jerry and I invest, do something to invest in our marriage. Uh, go to a training, go to a conference somewhere, but we want to be learning. Uh, and we're studying, always studying marriage as a couple, theologically, practically, and uh, from attending five-day conferences on a the theology of the body uh, to going away in a, uh, for a retreat uh, led by a friend of ours and uh, Christian retreat around emotionally focused therapy in, in the spring. We're looking looking forward to it. And the same thing for singles. You, those of you listening to me, that, that you take time for a community and self-care and growing as a single person for Jesus, whether you've been through a divorce, regardless of your age, whether it's you know, your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s, 80s. Um, but what does it look like for you to mature and grow as a single person you know, for Jesus at this season of your life? But we want to create learning space to grow. There's a Parker Palmer term. We need learning spaces to grow talking about being thoughtful and intentional. What kind of space do you need to create going into the year so that you can mature and grow as a disciple of Jesus? Uh, Space that the things that need to be killed in you get killed so that you can grow in love for God, love for people. You can grow in compassion and gentleness and kindness. So it's going to take structure. It's going to take thought. It may take retreats. Uh, But the number one goal that most leaders overlook is themselves. That is our first goal. It's the challenge to do the work before the work. In other words, one of our greatest challenges is to possess a sufficient inner journey so that our outer journey of work flows out of a center with Jesus. And one final tip if you're a preacher or a teacher, uh, let me encourage you to teach and preach on areas you sense the Spirit of God is leading you to grow in. Uh, And trust the Holy Spirit's in that, uh, not just for you. So whether it's on, I remember doing a long series on grief, a long series on the wall, Sabbath loving from first john and first corinthians 13 uh, and uh you know you can see all those ideas are actually in the sermons on our website at emotionallyhealthy.org you'll see free sermons and they're basically there for for ideas uh for you people like yourselves who are teachers and preachers uh to consider hey you get a couple of seed ideas and if god gives you a revelation you can preach it as long as it becomes a revelation to you but you're getting in the texts and in the themes is always just a, a rich, wonderful way to go. But the beautiful thing is if you if you'll put being a disciple of Jesus first, you won't base your self worth or success on externals. You'll see Jesus. And uh, again, people weren't that impressed with Jesus and it looked like he may have failed right, in his earthly ministry. But he was able to thank God, filled with contentment, and he was trusting in 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 his Father, who he knew was unfrustrated, was not frustrated, who had a plan, and was completely in. Control. So we want to be the culture that we want to reproduce in people. We want to see developed around us as leaders. So next week we'll build on this number one overlook gold, and I'm going to add four or five others. Uh expand out from that. So join us at emotionallyhealthy.org, go to our website. You know, our missions: that to transform church culture through the multiplication of deeply changed leaders and disciples. And I pray you'll be one of those as we go into the next thousand years for Christ and hopefully make an impact in the world for Him. God bless everybody. Have a great day. Look forward to seeing you next week.